Our uh, scripture today comes from the book of Psalms, the 139th Psalm. And uh, I'm going to read verses 1 to 6, and then I'm going to skip over to verses 23 and 24. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm not going to put that down because I'm going to refer to it here in a minute. But it, we do need to settle that lifelong question, right? That question that's just burning within us. Is it sins, debts, or trespasses in the Lord's Prayer? Which one is correct? I know that's one that's occupied your thoughts for way too long. And I know you've gone to other churches that pray it in other ways. And so we're going to settle it right here and now. Here it is. Go to Matthew. Well, let's go to the right chapter of Matthew 6. Where Matthew records the Lord's Prayer. And he records this in verse 12 of chapter 6. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know what Matthew did for a living before he was an apostle? Tax collector. Debts. That's how he heard it. By the way, in the Greek, if you translate from that Greek word to that's translated debts, you know what the actual meaning of that word is? Debts. But... If you fast forward a couple of verses, verse 14, then Jesus adds this. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. So apparently those debts and sins are equated somehow. Those are equated. But here, you know that word sin right there that it says if you forgive others their sins? You know what that word in Greek is? Trespasses. And it's actually the word trespass. It's, it's, this is an improper translation because it's a word that relates to um, property when it talks about it. So it is, it is in there if you forgive those who trespass against you. But wait. In the book of Luke, the 11th chapter, Luke records Jesus' prayer. And it says in verse 4, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. You know what that Greek word is there for sins? Sins. So, to answer definitively the question, is it Sins, debts, or trespasses, the answer is yes. Now we got that business out of the way. I'm glad we took care of that. 
Now let's deal with the rest of the prayer. Um, actually, so the Methodist church that we're a part of comes from the Church of England in its origin. In 1662, someone in the Church of England published a book called the Book of Common Prayer. And actually, the Church of England still today uses a Book of Common Prayer. It's been updated some since 1662. But in that Book of Common Prayer, in an older English, like we pray it today, um, in that older English Book of Common prayer um, for the Lord's prayer, they chose trespasses. Therefore, we do. Not trespass, we pray that part of the prayer. The, uh, the, the other churches have uh, come from different origins, and so debts and, and sins will be a part of the language that they use, but it seems they're all the same, no matter which one you choose. So, when we talk about um, forgiveness, uh, forgiveness for our sins, our trespasses, our debts, when we talk about that, we're talking about God's grace that God offers us, that forgives us for those things. Amazing grace. You know that, that song, we're actually going to have it later in the service, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. So in that, in that song, it was written by a guy by the name of John Newton. Maybe you already knew this. John Newton, the author of that, was a captain of a slave trade boat. And at some point in sailing, his boat was caught up in a terrible, terrible storm. And he figured it was over. And he prays to God for forgiveness and prays to God for the safety of his ship and those on it. Later, he writes of that moment, he, he, he writes one of the lines from that song, Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. He talks about grace First, as the grace that saved me from the storm, but also then the grace that saves me to lead me to his eternal home. He uses both. And after coming to faith uh, in, through that stormy night, uh, he came to an understanding of God's loving forgiveness for him and, and eventually became a strong preacher in the Church of England and, and a close friend of John Wesley who founded the Methodist movement. He goes on, another part of that hymn, the opening line may be familiar to you. How amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Any of you feeling like a wretch? <laughs> That's not a term we use that much anymore. As a matter of fact, it's such a strong term. I think it's a little bit outdated, and part of the reason it's still in our lexicon is probably this song. That saved a wretch like me. Newton came to find his participation in the trade of slavery to be wretched, to be abhorrent. He hated that part of his life, and he was pretty sure God hated it as well. And he even becomes a very influential uh, friend in the life and faith of William Wilberforce, who leads the abolition movement in England. Somehow, wretch just seems too strong a word for us today, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but when it comes to praying the Lord's Prayer, I kind of like trespasses. It, it just seems so sanitary by comparison. 
trespasses. I mean, I, I used to hunt a lot, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point in my hunting, I was standing on property I had permission to hunt on, and I probably shot a bird that fell over on property I didn't have permission, but I went and retrieved the bird anyway. I'm pretty sure I trespassed. Trespass is a lot easier to think about. Forgive us our debts. Well, who doesn't have those? You got a car loan or you got a house loan, you write a check, you, you know, or auto pay. Nevertheless, you pay the bill, you're done with, forgive us our debts. Okay, it'll be forgiven when the loan's done. I'm good with that. Debts, I can probably do trespasses and debts. But when we pray, forgive us our sins, it seems like we're, we're edging into Ten Commandment territory. And I get a little squirrely about that. As I think about it, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't killed anybody lately or stolen anything. And I'm faithful to my wife. I'm in church more than most people. And I don't think I've lied recently. And I, I, might, I might have talked about someone else, but, but it was the truth, so it's okay. I don't think I've sinned lately. <laughs> but here's the problem. We treat God like a problem that has to be solved. If I can pray this prayer in just the right way, if I can say the words in just the right way, in other words, we believe that saying the prayer with the proper attitude, incantation and swish and flick of our wand and God forgives us and we move on. This I dream of genie approach to God has never worked because God cannot be controlled by you or me or anyone else. Furthermore, Jesus didn't give us this prayer as a magic incantation that, that garners God's acceptance, that God doesn't have a choice but to grant us our three wishes. For Jesus, this prayer is about a relationship. It opens with a relationship, our Father. This prayer isn't about, uh, about, about getting the right check marks in the right boxes. It's about developing a relationship with the Father, God the Father. And in a relationship when one or the other has, has, has caused an offense, the way to reconciliation is through forgiveness. When Jesus uttered the Lord's Prayer, he had something in mind that was much broader and deeper than, than the simplicity that we put into a rote prayer sometimes. And, and you know, as I, as I look at this prayer, and, and you look at it in the context of, of the way some other people have translated those very words, we sins, debts, or trespasses, other people have translated it, forgive us our shortcomings, forgive us what we owe you, sounds like debts, forgive us our resentments, forgive us for the wrong behavior we have done. And any one of those maybe helps us see it as a more personal thing, a more personal relationship. If we're going to sincerely pray, forgive us our debts or our trespasses, then, then we have to admit sin. We have to admit that there are things that we've done wrong in our life and continue to do wrong. I, I, think, that, I think that many of us today um, say these words but don't necessarily see these words as a confession of sin. And it is. 
It's done to repair the relationship we have with the Heavenly Father, a relationship that, that we've damaged through the things that we've done or continue to do. But, but why pray for forgiveness if, if, if we are to understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and forgiveness has already been offered, why do we have to pray for it? Why is that necessary? I mean, the psalm told us that God knows everything we've done and so that, you know, we just pray that prayer and we're done and we move on. But forgiveness is part of the process of reconciliation, of making a relationship right again. And you know that in your life that there have been some people that, that if you just, if, I'm sorry, if they just say, I'm sorry, you'd forgive them. And that's the way it is with God. God has already offered the forgiveness. Understand forgiveness is a type of transaction. Forgiveness is offered. We need to accept by the way, in a later part of the prayer, we need to offer so others can accept. But forgiveness has already been offered to you, and you say, so what's, what's the point? Why do I need to do that? And I, I think it's because um, our hard-headedness sometimes gets in the way of, of us stating our wrongdoing, of being real to it. The offer for forgiveness is there. But you must reach out your hand and admit your offense. And I personally believe that we need to be specific when we pray this prayer. When we pray for a prayer, when we pray asking forgiveness of God, we need to be specific. This is the part where, you know, Jesus tells us, when you pray, go into your own prayer closet. He says, go off by yourself. It's okay to do public prayers. But I think he's talking about this part of it. Let's get real about it. Let's pray this prayer and say to God specifically what we have done, where we have gone wrong. So that when we pray, forgive us our trespasses, it's not like saying, dear God, you know what I did and all the above. There's a childish side to you and me. You remember when you were a child and your mother said to you, Say, I'm sorry. And you said, I'm sorry. And then they would press you and say, tell her you're sorry and mean it this time. And tell them what you're sorry for. I'm sorry I put your cat in the dryer. <laughs> These examples may or may not have been from my childhood. We need to be specific about it. We need to say it like we need it. Why? First of all, you can't move toward a healing relationship with the Father until you're sincerely sorry for what you've done that led Christ to the cross. He bled and died for those things that you've done that have caused a rift in the relationship you have with the Father. So say it like you mean it, and mean it when you say it. Otherwise, you're, you're just trying to rub the lamp and have the God genie pop out and grant you forgiveness and two more wishes. Another reason is that there needs to be a little humility in your life. 
And I've said this in every one of the sermons so far about this prayer and, and might say it yet in the sermons that follow. We need humility. We need to, to get ourselves past the things that, that, that do bring the rift in your relationship with the Father. We need to pray because we want to deepen our relationship with the Father. And when we're specific, we are humbled by how far we are away from being what God created us to be. But God doesn't need to hear it. God already knows it all, right? We just said that in, in that psalm. God already knows it all. God already knows everything you've done, everything you've even thought. God knows all that. So why do we need to say it? And the answer is simple, because you need to hear it. You need to hear yourself pray it. You need to hear yourself say, God, forgive me for that. Specifically that. Because tomorrow you're going to pray the prayer and you're going to say, God, forgive me for that. And then the next day you're going to pray the prayer and you're going to say, God, forgive me for that. And then the next day that. And hopefully at some point you'll realize that that is in between you and God. And that if you want to grow your relationship with God, if you want to become more and more the image of Christ in the world, which is God's intention for you, which is why God created you, if you want to become what God created you to be, you have to get beyond that. And to get beyond that, you have to name it over and over again until you can move past it. In that psalm from today, it begins with the recognition that there is no escape from God. God knows everything. God's always there. Knows when we lie down and when we get up. And it's a knowledge beyond our comprehension. So because God knows us even better than we know ourselves, the psalm asks us to, um, the psalm calls us to ask God to stretch out our hearts, to search out our hearts. Let me read that again. And test our thoughts. And bring to the forefront of our mind any part that's in need of forgiveness. Verse 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Not that, that God doesn't know, but is it possible there's things in your life that you don't even realize are off base? The reality of humanity today is that we have become conditioned to think that everything's okay for me because of the situation. Hey, I was put in that situation. There's no need to ask for forgiveness because I didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't wrong at that moment. We've been conditioned to think that the, the, the center of ethics and morality is ourselves rather than God. And so we ask God, God, for those things that I have not yet realized are sin. I had a conversation last night with uh, some friends. We, we were gathered together, and one of them, um, uh, who will go unnamed, but one of them said something that, that um, caught me off guard. Are you familiar with the news story out of St. Clair, Missouri, and the teacher? Um, so there's a teacher there who um, apparently has a porn site, and she got fired for it. 
Big surprise. <laughs> One of my friends said, how did they have justification to fire? Now, I didn't push the question, but, but I, I got to thinking, I wonder how many people think, hey, that's on her own private time. That has nothing to do with how she teaches students. Therefore, it's okay. Could it be that my friend might have some part of their life that, that God needs to bring to the front of their mind so they can think that through more? And some of those things to me seem obvious, but maybe they're less obvious to you. Or, or maybe there's something about me that, that seems obvious to you, and it's just less obvious for me. We need God to bring it up to the front of our mind. The, the, verse, the other verse I read, Psalm 139, 24, see if there's anything, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. It's not about God's discovery. It's about God bringing it to our attention. God, help me recognize those things in my life that I have just been excusing and allowing and permitting that quite honestly get in between you and me, God. Get in between you and me and the way of everlasting life. I wrote in my devotion this week, um, if any of you don't have that devotional booklet that goes with the sermon series, we still have some. Please feel free to grab one in the lobby um, uh, on the welcome desk. Uh, it, it's just uh, it's five days a week to help you look at Scripture and maybe how we understand this particular part of prayer. But one of the things I wrote this week is that, that, um, uh, that, that the subject of forgiveness is very simple and incredibly complex. It's both. Because, especially that second part of the prayer, it's forgive me for my sins, debts, trespasses as I seek to forgive others. And that's where it gets complex. And by the way, I did a whole sermon series on forgiveness a, a few years back, and, and I, I'm not going to solve that in, in one sermon today. But it is, it's simple. Forgive and complex when you have to. Jesus tells a story about a servant and a master, and the master brings the servant before him and says, hey, you owe me a big debt. You owe me a lot of money. Pay up. And the servant says, I don't have any money. I can't pay you. And the master says, I forgive the debt. Now that servant goes to a co-worker of his, and he says, hey, you owe me a big debt. Pay up. And the co-worker can't. He says, I can't pay you back. And he says, you're going to debtor's prison, which is a really bad idea they had back in the day. You're going to debtor's prison. No forgiveness. The master then punishes the servant whom he forgave, gave the debt, but punished him for his lack of forgiveness. You've been forgiven by the master. Where's your forgiveness of others? If we're going to be more like Christ, we don't get to decide whether or not we forgive. We've been forgiven, and as a forgiven people, forgiveness is our way. 
We can't experience the full forgiveness of our sins until we share that experience with others by forgiving their sins against us. Please note, it doesn't require the other person to accept the forgiveness. Christ died for our sins before we committed them. Our Father's nature is to offer amazing grace, which is forgiveness, to offer it before we even ask for it. Forgiveness, offer, offering forgiveness is what you do. Accepting is on them, on their decision and their timing. I read a, a recent article uh, about Western Christianity. Western Christianity is defined as Christianity as we know it in America and in um, Western Europe. Um, and it's not exactly the same as Christianity that's practiced in other parts of the world. There's some, some differences. And among the differences in, in America um, and, and Western Europe is, um, well, we just look at, at life and faith differently. And a lot of that has to do with our relative abundance compared to some other places in the world. Um, but it has to do with uh, just the way our politics are, the way that our culture has evolved over time. And, and um, this author recognized that, that the problem um, uh, with Western civilization is we're missing a particular point. And uh, uh, Professor David Wat Watson writes this. As Christianity has receded in the West, there's less and less Christians in the Western world, they have turned to various ideologies and quasi-religious practices for both the diagnosis of the problem and its solution. But as Christians, we believe that God has taught us something about the, true about the world that other people don't quite grasp. The problem with life is sin. It's all the gone wrongness, I love that phrase, all the gone wrongness in creation. Sin is not just something we do, but a corrosive spiritual acid that has seeped deeply into the pores of all creation. The problem is at its root spiritual, but so is the solution. God has come to us as a person, Jesus Christ, and has taken all the sin of the world upon himself. As we pray this prayer, it is a prayer for forgiveness for ourselves, but also a prayer that recognizes that when we live lives that fall short of the image of Christ, we sin. The message of Christ on the cross is forgiveness, and we can only find forgiveness for our own souls when we reach out in forgiveness of others as Christ did. For only in offering forgiveness do we fully grasp the full nature of our Father. Amen and amen.